this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. Welcome to you to episode 118 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Shred Shack and youtube.com slash Templum. Let's get started with some old business. Old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. We surprisingly have no old business. Mm. So. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. Now, normally we start off new business with talking about new album releases, but I don't think we have any to talk about this time around. No, but I will next time, because I believe I got an email from Amazon saying that the new Opeth record is going to be delivered to my place next week. Next week. Next week. So that gives me a good week to ingest it. Have you heard the single yet? I've heard a couple. I've heard two songs. Oh, okay. I've heard two songs. Uh, both versions of the two songs, meaning Swedish and uh, in English, because they're doing uh, both versions. Mm-hmm. As a, so that I get it's a double disc that I'm getting. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited, but the thing is... I, I, I try not to listen to things before they come out because I like to listen to them in context mm. of the album. Uh, that gives me an impression of the whole album as, as a whole. Gotcha. So, but it's Opeth, and I've been jockeying Opeth for, for over a decade now, so I think it's uh, it's going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. I always look forward to a new Opeth record, and it's funny that I was just looking through my Facebook uh, memories from yesterday. And eight years ago, there was another Opeth record coming out around this time (laughs) (laughs) that I was super pumped about. So, yeah, this this seems to be a a September thing for for the band. Gloomy fall type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right, so let's talk about what else we've been listening to. And we go to Instagram for albums of the day that we've we've been putting up since uh since the last time we did this yes so since the last time we did this we recorded on september 6th i believe Uh so we're going to be starting on september 9th um you listen to the advantage yes the advantage um you you might appreciate some of it um just for the for the retro feel because it's 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 nintendo music Done on instrument, actual instruments. So okay, okay, I got you, I got you, got yeah, you. So, so. But is it like actual like Nintendo songs? Like yeah, the, the, like the it's, Mario theme song, Tetris yeah. theme song. Okay, got gotcha. Yeah, it's, gotcha. it's it's the original music just done on on actual instruments. And, That's super cool. Yeah. Um, I listened to Queen Jazz, my favorite Queen record. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite Elton John record, um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and you followed it up with uh, the uh, Broken Soul EP. Yes. You know, that's a very good local band here. Speaking of local, you follow that up with uh, the Carrie Asher record. Mm-hmm. And I listened to The Ocean, Palagial, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm looking forward to part two of their uh, their album series. Part one came out last year. Part two, I'm not exactly sure when it's supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. All right, then we got some Nightwish, Century Child. And uh, Behemoth, I Loved You at Your Darkest. That's the latest 
Behemoth record, really fucking good. You own that one, right? Yes. 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 Next up, System of Down, Toxicity. Going yeah. old school on us here. And I went a little old school uh, as far as Ghost goes uh, with their album Meliora. Yeah. Actually, I, I was uh, – we were just discussing the whole thing with Lindsay's car. Um, it's because I was driving Lindsay's car that I had a copy of Toxicity in there. Oh. And I was just like, ah, throw it on. So listen to it. That's funny because I was just talking to Lindsay this morning, dropping her off at the airport, and she came to the conclusion that System of a Down is her favorite band. Hmm. That's what I said. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I we we were having a conversation that we thought it would have been a female uh, fronted uh, band, you know, because yeah. that's what she's very much into. Yeah. But she says that she really, really likes System of a Down. That it, it just might be her her most favorite band. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Oh, we got some Falconer here among beggars and thieves. Yes. And I listened to Nothing Face Skeletons. Falconer has never released a bad album. Megadeth Dystopia. That was last Friday for me. And you listened to Halloween, Keeper of the Seven Keys, Part One. Yes. Um, turns out. Um, uh, just side note um, for readers of Metal Hammer. Apparently, uh, Keepers of the Seven Keys Part 2 was named the top power metal album of all time. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. So that's interesting. Yes. Uh, you followed it up with a weekend of The Darkness, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back. Yep. And Alton Chain's Dirt. Classic. Yeah. Um, that, was an, that was another one where, like... Listening to the radio and hearing Rooster over and over. Mm-hmm. Actually, on, on my listen to it, on my listen to the actual album, I skipped over Rooster <laughs> so many times. And um, I skipped over um, Them Bones because I had just heard it in the car like like a few hours before. So yeah, I, went straight I can to, only imagine. Yeah. I went straight to uh, Damn That River. <sighs> that river. All right. We got Gra- uh, Grave Shadow, Ambition's Price, yep. and Demon Hunter. I forgot the name of this record. But it's their most popular one. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Follow that up with some Rob Zombie, Educated Horses, and Willow Ash. Um, Willow Ash, I'm actually going to get into a little bit more later on, but they were a uh, they were a surprising find um, in my, my Kickstarter searches. Um they're not doing Kickstarter themselves, but they were part of the search that I I found. That's cool. So, uh, but they're they're a good like doom metal band. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. I listened to Newstead Heavy Metal Music, and you listened to Offspring Smash. Uh, yeah. I actually um, I have a handful of CDs that I'm trying to get rid of, uh-huh. and um. Because they came from like two different sources, so I just had like a box of CDs around. Oh, these are like doubles. Yeah. So, oh, okay, I, okay, so okay, I was like, okay. I took all the doubles and I put them in my car, and and one of them was the Offspring Smash. I forgot how short that album actually is. You know, I was able to listen to it front to back, to and from work. Oh wow! Yeah, and, my, and my trip to work is not that long. So that is, that is a pretty short record. Yeah. Well, then again, it is a punk record, so yeah. you know. It kind of plays into the the aesthetic of it. Yeah. And last but not least here from yesterday, we have Serge Tankin, 
uh, Imperfect Harmonies, and Scorpions, Best of Rockers and Ballads. Another double that I have in the car. Um, but I also had a day where I listened to um, some some of my vinyl records, which I didn't uh, obviously put in an album of the day, but uh-huh. I was just going through a lot of my non-metal stuff on record. Um so started off with Queen's Sheer Heart Attack to listen to the one that you bought for me for my birthday. Early birthday gift, yes, sir. Yeah, um, and it played perfectly. Um, Such a find, by the way. It was it was pretty funny because uh, for some reason my uh, my record player was was pushed into the wrong setting. It was on a forty five setting instead of the thirty three setting. Um, and it was playing like the Chipmunks, uh. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck is going on with my, my record player? <laughs> why why does he sound like this?" Kind of like that one video we had where we we, we turned it into Killswitch and the in the Chipmunks, yeah, Alvin and the Engage. <laughs> uh, but it went from Queen to listening to Phil Collins' Face Value, okay, um, to listening to Django Reinhardt. Um, who is a uh, guitar player, uh, apparently a big influence on Tony Iommi. Oh, there you go. All right. Um, and um, to Peter Gabriel's Security, uh, number four, with, you know, Shock the Monkey and Rhythm of the Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I know capped it off there, but, you know, a good four-album stretch of, of, of fun there. Yeah, and my, my go-to car record as of late has been the new Tool album. And I've been finding that the more I listen to it, the more I like it. You know, I still have the same uh, negative comments about it. You know, it's, it doesn't really sound that different from all their from their previous album, blah 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 blah. But it still doesn't stop it from being really fucking good. Mm. You know, if you take those, if you take the album out of context of that sort of thing, and you just listen to it as a as standalone is. album, mm-hmm. it's it's really fucking good. Cool. You know, it's 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 right. It's 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 the perfect tool album yeah. to tell you the truth. It's really good. It's really um, good. Kind of somewhat related to that. Um, sometime soon, I have to buy the new Slipknot album. Uh, more so because Lindsay wants it. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about it before because you guys listened to it in my car. Yeah. Um, and and she surprisingly st- enjoyed what she heard. Yeah. Because she's not she's not a big Slipknot fan. She has she she likes the she like Wait and Bleed and 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 Vermilion Part Two. Uh, the more melodic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she was apparently enjoying the new album when she heard it in your car. So. Yeah, I think I, I had to go back and go through some of the the 2019 releases and and listen to those again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, 2019 started off so strong for me as far as purchasing. Stuff mm-hmm. has kind of dwindled down a little bit as I've like been a little bit pickier. Yeah. Um, but there's been a, a lot of good stuff that came out this year. A lot of good stuff. Well, what's coming out uh, pretty soon that we actually have a uh, premiere copy of is um, Pumpkins United by Halloween. Oh, it's, okay. It's the, it's the uh, tour that they've done together with Michael Kiske back in the front and uh, Kai Hansen on guitar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So I'm I'm excited to take a listen to that. It's supposed to come out in uh, about two weeks or so. Yeah, and then we got the new Opeth record next week, and mm-hmm. then in November I think it is the orchestral album from Blind Guardian. Yes, which I've been seeing a lot of of ads for on Facebook. So, um, aside from stuff about demons and wizards. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, all right, so let's go on to, unfortunately, obituaries, which seems to be pretty stacked today. Unfortunately, yes, yes. 
Um, so, former TNT vocalist Tony Mills has died after a six-month battle with cancer. He was 57 years old. He's pretty goddamn young. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British-born singer appeared on three studio albums from TNT, 2007's The New Territory, 2008's Atlantis, and 2010's A Farewell to Arms, before exiting and being replaced by a returning Tony Harnell. Run! Where is that pussy cancer anyway? Yeah, you keep that guy busy. Hold on a sec, because uh, he comes up at the end here. All right, Motorhead's original guitarist, Larry Wallace, has died at the age of 70. His passing was confirmed by the band's official website. He played on the Motorhead album On Parole, which was shelved for four years until the band grabbed success with the charts and a rabid following. Although recorded in 1975, the LP became the fourth album released. Despite leaving the group in 1976, Wallace is cited as co-writer on Vibrator, one of the album's standout tracks. The Cars frontman, Rick... Okasik. Okasik. We're going to go with that? Okay. Okasik died of heart disease, uh, which was confirmed by New York Medical Examiner's Office. Uh, He also had pulmonary emphysema, which is a type of lung disease. Uh, He was 75 years old at the time of his passing. It's unclear how long he had been suffering from the heart disease. Really? Figure that's something that you... Like, keep up on well i mean like something that, that you get symptoms of early on but i i wouldn't know yeah and last but not least here legendary rocker eddie money passed away he was also 70 years old our representative confirmed to people that the legendary rocker died of complications from a recent heart valve replacement surgery uh, money revealed he is stage four esophageal cancer diagnosis last month he received the diagnosis last fall while taping the second season of his popular reality series, Real Money, which he and his wife, Lori, executive produced. Run! Where is that pussy cancer anyway? So we had four deaths in the rocker world. As a matter of fact, there is a fifth death I did not put in here. Apparently, a former keyboardist for Clutch has passed away as well. Yes. I, saw, I, I think I saw that on Bob Mouth. Um... So it hasn't been a good two weeks. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's and my, a lot of this is relatively recent. Like the Motorhead one was, uh, like yesterday. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, that list is getting longer." Yeah, that, that's that's not cool. Because normally uh, we try to keep it at a minimum of uh, you know negative one. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're we're five in today. Yeah, that's, balls deep in death here. Yeah, that's Fuck. That, that's not cool. So balls deep in death. So rest in peace to all those you know, those those gentlemen. Yes, especially um, like the younger one, like fifty-seven is really young to pass away. Yeah, you know, and seventy just seems to be the number for Motorhead guys. So. And and let's all just realize that Keith Richards is still alive. And so is Ozzy. So and so and, so and he was recording a new album apparently, which apparently he has said is is his best material ever. But they say that every time. Everybody says that it's the heaviest album we ever did. It's the best album I ever did. Well. Anyway. See, I want to hear. I want to hear them say it's like the most fun I've ever had. That's what I liked about um, when. Uh, when they did the ACDC behind the music and they were talking about Stiff Upper Lip Brian Johnson's talking about how much fun he had making that album I was like yeah you have, you have that fun that's right <laughs> that's right it was fun it's good it's just fun <laughs> <laughs> I 
good record. No, 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 no. I mean, ACDC, they do no wrong. Yeah. They do no wrong. Especially when you don't change a song for 50 years. Hey, you know what? Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in the pocket. Stay in the pocket. All right, you ready for some general news here? Yes, general news. Okay, according to Deadline, Marilyn Manson is joining the third season of Star's American Gods. Marilyn Manson will play Johan Wengren, or Wengren, Wengren I'll go with, actually, um, the lead singer of Blood Death, a Viking death metal band that is a source of power for Ian McShane's Mr. Wednesday, also known as the Old God Odin. So this show is based on the classic fantasy novel by Neil Gaiman, Gaiman? Gaiman. Gaiman. American Gods follows a former convict named Shadow Moon, who is played by Ricky Whittle, who is pulled into an epic battle between factions of old and new deities when he's hired by a mysterious man, Mr. Wednesday, to act as a bodyguard and driver. I think I've heard the show is good. But I've heard the show is good. I've just never watched it. I This sounds like a show I would totally be into. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting to it and yes. actually watching it. And having stars. Oh, it's on stars? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then I'm out. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't pay for that shit. Yeah. I pay for Cinemax and HBO. Yeah. I don't know why, but I do. Well, I, I would have said HBO for Game of Thrones, but that's over now. It's over now. But in October, the new Watchmen series comes out. Super pumped for that. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. Um, when it comes out on Netflix, you let us know. Nothing on HBO comes out on Netflix, my friend. Uh, well, should it ever. <laughs> let us know. All right. Creator have welcomed Frederic Lecroque. I think it's like LeClerc. LeClerc? LeClerc. LeClerc? Yeah, I think so. LeClerc. Anyway, he's their new bass player. Before joining Creator, LeClerc rose to fame with UK-based extreme extreme power metal. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Extreme power metalers Dragon Force, for whom he handled bass duties from 2005 until last month. I need to get some clips from... Um, uh... Was it Harold and Kumar that had those? Guys? Yes, those guys. Extreme. Yeah, I need to. I need to. Well, they while they're playing, while they're like mixtape had like Amy Grant on it. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> Fucking great. Uh, All right, Kiss was forced to postpone its September 14th concert at USANA Amphitheater in Salt Lake City. Uh, bassist vocalist Gene Simmons tweeted earlier that day, Apologies to the fans of Salt Lake City. We will come back and do the show at a later date. The truth is, I have to fly to L.A. to do a medical piece procedure. Nothing serious, but it must be taken care of now. Thank you for your good wishes. All is well. I mean, the way he makes it sound like he's performing the procedure. <laughs> like, he's like I'm Gene fucking Simmons. <laughs> 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 he's performing a, a, a dollarectomy. From somebody's wallet. Because <laughs> that's how he fucking rolls. I'm just I'm thinking of, um, what was it? Weird Al's video for Like a Surgeon. And they're performing an actual surgery on a person's wallet. With, that's exactly. <laughs> with the forceps pulling, out, pulling yes, out dollars. That's exactly the vision in my head. <laughs> and behind that surgical mask is the demon. <laughs> After much speculation instigated by two video trailers released earlier this summer, Slayer, in conjunction with Nuclear Blast Records and Prime Zero Productions, announces Slayer, the repentless killology. Killology. 
Pillagey. That's the word. Pillagey. Pillagey. Motion picture and companion LP CD. The Repentless Killergy live at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Uh, coming November 8th, the narrative short film paired with Slayer's entire performance of its August 5th, 2017 concert at the Los Angeles Forum will be available digitally and on Blu-ray, and the soundtrack from that concert will be released as both a two-disc vinyl and two CD packages. In addition to the standard black vinyl, eight limited edition color vinyl configurations will be available. Red, gold, and silver vinyl. Red, black, and orange splatter. Red, orange swirl. Red, black splatter. Red, yellow corona. And black, white corona. That's, that's, just, that's a lot of different colors. <laughs> yeah. I don't, the thing is, I don't remember if this article mentioned what the short uh, narrative was about. Set to the tone, set to the music. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I wonder if it's going to be any better than um, "Through the Never." Metallica's very similar uh, story, uh, very similar project here, but just not on the same scale. Maybe it's maybe it's part of a farewell thing or something like that. Maybe. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Regardless. And plus, you know, another live record from Slayer. Cool. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting one. This is fun. Robert Blasco Nicholson, bassist for Ozzy Osbourne, will be honored by Kitten Rescue, one of Southern California's largest nonprofit animal rescue organizations, with its 2019 Advocacy Award for his work uh, homing adoptable cats and kittens, specifically black cats and kittens. Yeah. I know a lot of people um, have a lot of, are, are either superstitious or. Or a little just... stitious. Huh? Or a little stitious. Not super a little stitious. It's no. a, it's an office joke. It's like one of the one of the few office memes that I understand. Oh, well, I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious. I I don't okay, want to yeah. watch The Office. Neither um, do I. I'd, I'd, anyway, I never got the allure. Um, but there was a there was a thing by um, Snowy Shaw, basically telling people to be nice to animals or I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing, the, the interesting thing I found about this um, this story is that Blasco here was introduced to the uh, the kitten rescue of Southern California by Giza Butler and his wife because they're big advocates for the same mm-hmm. cause, which I just thought was super cool. Yeah, I can see Giza Butler being like a cat guy. Totally, especially I can see all those. Those guys in black sad being cat guys. Yeah, I don't know why. I could see Geezer Butler having like a black cat just sitting on his shoulder. You know, like I can I, I can actually hat. see to, uh, Tony Iommi with like a tabby or a fucking really really white cat to offset his entirely black wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around with nothing but white cat hair, <laughs> like I do, because <laughs> my cat is super white and I have nothing but black t-shirts. Yeah. Wearing, I'm wearing my my one of my few non-black T-shirts right now. <laughs> I mean, like I, I, it's only like in the last few years that I've started wearing more colors. I know when I look at my closet, it's like I got two rows of T-shirts. On the bottom row, there's like the few colors I have. The top row is just varying shades of black. Yeah, depending on how old the shirt is. It's funny my my music shirts like. I think I only have two colored shirts. One of them is Carrie Asher, which is green. 
Um, so that that like that stands out a and little then, bit. And then the other one is um, is red, which is the gorillas. <laughs> and uh, and like they like everything else around it is uh, black. I'm sorry, that is a lie. You also have vanilla ice, which is super red. That is true too. Yes, yes. Uh, I forgot about that. I, I tend to I tend to forget. About the word to your mother. <laughs> I got I, our mother. I gotta I gotta I gotta sew that shirt down to a uh, to a smaller size so I can wear it more often. I was gonna say yeah, it is more of a monster or something. Because it is like it's like an extra large or something like that, and I no way. All right, Twisted Sister will reunite for two days and nights this fall to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the band's classic album Stay Hungry. D. Snyder, J.J. French, Eddie... Ojeda. Ojeda? Ojeda. 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 Oh, Jesus Christ. And Mark the Animal Mendoza will be together again at the Spooky Empire Horror Theme Convention in Tampa, Florida for a very exclusive one-time-only gathering. All four members will be available for autographs on Friday, November 1st and Saturday, November 2nd. Plus, be sure to catch their question and answer sessions and photo ops. A limited edition Twisted Sister commemorative Stay Hungry 35th Anniversary coin will be available at the show. Now, they don't see that they're performing. It's just a meet and greet, pretty much. Hmm. I would hope that they would perform. It doesn't sound like it. That's... It does not sound like it. It really sounds like they're just going to be in the same room together. Quiet Riot has parted ways with singer James Durbin and has replaced him with Jizzy Pearl. What a terrible name. Right? Pearl previously fronted Quiet Riot from 2013 until October 2016 when he was briefly replaced by Sean Nichols, who played only five shows with the group before the March 2017 arrival of American Idol finalist Durbin. According to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, Durbin left Quiet Riot to concentrate his time and efforts on his solo career. We know how well that's gone for about 90% of American Idols. True. Adam Lambert, he's doing well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean, some have had great success. Kelly Clarkson and whatnot. Kelly Clarkson is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, but Hey, Clay Aiken is a Clay, senator or congressman. He's he, a politician. He, well, before that, he was, uh, I think he played the lead in Spam a lot in New York. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, not when I saw it. That's uh, pretty fucking cool. Um, the heavy set one, uh, Ruben Stutter, he had a, he had a couple hits. He, he, yeah, but like, early on. but not, not yeah. really since then. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's just kind of, it, you, you you feed the machine and then it spits you back out. Yeah, it's your fifteen minutes. Yeah, for for the most part, for the most on, part, on, on, most on American part. Idol for the most part. All right, last but not least, here for some uh, general news, we got Glenn Danzig will begin shooting his next movie in October. It will be the follow up to his Verotica feature film directorial debut, which received its premiere in June. Speaking to a bionic buzz on the red carpet of Monday night's, uh, Monday, September 16th premiere of Rob Zombie's new thriller, Three from Hell, at Vista Theater in Los Angeles, Danzig said about his next project, It's a vampire spaghetti western. We're in pre-production right now, and we start shooting next month. A vampire spaghetti western. 
Remember that Veronica apparently I, I, I was know. the horror version of The Room. So you can only imagine that this is going to be the horror version of The Room Part 2. <laughs> Just with cowboy hats. <laughs> Vampire Spaghetti Western. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and apparently everybody's a vampire. There's no guessing about who's a vampire. Everybody's a fucking vampire in this one. It's it's going to be it's going to be uh an attempt to make like from dusk till dawn again. And that that is classic. Yeah. Classic. That was an enjoyable movie. Strange, but enjoyable. Yeah. George Clooney, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Vampire Hunting. Yeah. Good times. All right, so let's go on to the crime blotter. So an attorney for former Anthrax singer Dan Nelson has disputed allegations that his client beat two elderly men inside a Queens, New York hotel last month. The 43-year-old musician is accused of punching the older men on August 30th at the Aloft New York LaGuardia Airport Hotel in East Elmhurst. Now you wonder what that's about. Well, there is more to this article here. Apparently from what the elderly gentleman said, is that Dan Nelson was a drunk shit show. He was uh. supposed to be performing that night in, at the hotel, so you see how far he's fallen. Um, and one of the guys, they encountered him in, a, in an elevator, and he said, hey, man, you're having a rough night. And Dan Nelson got pissed at him and punched him in the face. Dick. Yeah. And that's that's the allegations. Okay, and, you know, of course they're denying it. Blah 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 blah. But you gotta be careful with these sorts of things. Elevators have cameras on them. Just ask Mr. Ray Rice from the Baltimore Ravens, who several years ago was videotaped beating his wife in an elevator. So, douche. Yeah, douchebag. That guy's a douche. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to Metallica breaking shit. Metallica breaking shit. Okay, so according to Polestar, Metallica's Worldwide Tour has played 15 concerts in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, and all the shows, which are which happen in six stadiums and nine arenas, sold out completely. A total of 486,130 tickets were sold, grossing more than 42 million euros which is approximately $46 million. To honor this this success, Live Nation GSA recently presented Metallica with a sold-out award. One of the highlights was Metallica's first-ever performance at Berlin's Olympic Stadium, where they sold 68,452 tickets and grossed $6,816,021. At Vienna's Ernst Happel Stadion, the band sold 48,755 tickets, grossing $4,827,840. They got to change the name of that award. <laughs> you sold out, Metallica! <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, that kind of just plays into what Jason Newstead said in their, back to the, in their behind the music thing. He's like, yeah, we sell out every night. Every stadium we play. Everywhere. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. It, it, it just... But continuing on with this, yeah. you know, Polestar, according to music industry trade publications, Polestar, Metallica has sold more than 22 million concert tickets since 1982, grossing more than $1.4 billion in the process. 
that puts the Thrash Legends just behind U2 and tickets sold, but ahead of their peers, ACDC, Guns N' Roses, and Ozzy Osbourne. Making them one of the biggest touring bands ever. Well, they are a live band, and... I mean, mm-hmm. they—they—that's—that's that's their niche, apparently. That is, de- that is definitely their thing. Like when they record an album, they're gonna go on tour for like ten years. Yeah, I'm. Um, um, if, if you saw the post from yesterday and, and our discussion on the um, on the the, the Shred Shack chat, um, I started doing more reading and, to, uh-huh. and whatnot. And in the book, they were saying that um, they. We're gonna have. Um, they were trying to, like, not have James on vocals originally, and they were really gunning for John Bush. Woo! Yeah, like they were really pushing for that. But would they would they have been a five piece then? Yeah, they would have been a five piece. And that's was that originally when when Dave was in the band? Uh, I think not. I think that was just after. That would have been very. I'm, I'm not sure. Very interesting. But they they were apparently really pushing to get John Bush in the band. Wow. Yeah. That I did not know. Yeah, and that's that would have been very interesting to hear. Metallica songs. I mean, we we've heard we've heard Whiplash covered by, by Anthrax before. Yeah, with John Bush. Yeah. But but John Bush. Being like the the front man on like Master of Puppets, like wow, yeah, wow, okay. Yeah. So things I've learned in the last few days. That's that's really interesting. All right, you ready for some fufufufun? F- f- uh, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> well, this could have been put under old news, but I specifically put it here just so I can say it. Former Ghost member, uh, former members of Ghost have appealed this, the dismissal of their lawsuit against the band's leader, Tobias Forge. Forge, who founded the group eight years ago, was sued by the four uh, ex-members in, 2000, uh, in April of 2017. They accused the singer of cheating them out of their rightful share of the profits from the band's album releases and world tours. The trial in district court lasted for six days in October 2018. A 108-page decision was released dismissing the case. The four former Ghost members were also ordered to pay for his legal fees, which could amount to approximately $146,000. The musicians, I'm not even going to pronounce these people's names. I'm not up to that part of my language learning yet. Um, they have since appealed the ruling, and the case has now been referred to the Court of Appeals, uh, where it will be heard in March of 2020. That's a ways off. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a little bit of a backlog. Hmm. Just like any other judiciary uh, system. Yeah. It's slow and steady. Alright, so we have nothing for Alcoholica. Nope, not today. But we have merchandising. Now this one I wasn't so sure about whether it's going to be merchandise or it might actually be currency. The Cook Islands a nation in the South Pacific with political links to New Zealand has released new silver uh, has released new silver coins honoring two classic ACDC albums. A $2 coin commemorating ACDC's landmark 1981 album for those about to rock, we salute you. And a $10 coin celebrating ACDC's 1990 album The Razor's Edge. 
The obverse side features the portrait of Queen Elizabeth II. These are the third and fourth in a series released by Liechtenstein's CIT Coin Invest AG. That would be interesting if it was made actual currency. I think it might be. I think it is legitimate currency. A ten and a two dollar and a ten dollar piece. Like when you look at the coins, like yeah, that looks like that looks like real money, but with album covers on the back. It's really weird. Yeah, that'd be crazy if they did that something like that here, uh, like here in the U.S. No, they get stamps here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, my 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 Jerry Garcia stamps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I gotta find. Uh, they're I think they're in my music box. So. All right, Fantunes has released the official Rush graphic novel chronicling the making of the band's classic album, A Farewell to Kings, the first in the animation studio's ongoing relationship with Rush. The epic, fully authorized graphic novel chronicles the birth of Rush's classic album, A Farewell to Kings. You can relive the uh, the production trials and triumphs alongside Alex Lifeson, Getty Lee, and Neil Peart as they create the masterpiece of progressive rock that gave birth to such tracks as Closer to the Heart and The Majestic Xanadu. The book is co-written by Fantoon's David Calcona, Cal, no, Calcano, Calcano, and Lindsay Lee, and features artwork by Juan Riera and Itai Manero. The story was written with input from Rush guitarist Alex Lifeson and producer uh, Terry Brown, who also penned the forward. So it's it's telling the story of the making of the album? Yeah. It's but just it's a graphic novel. It's just that 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 sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just make a short film? Right? Like I think one of my uh favorite uh things from that VH one used to do was classic albums. Like, there was, like, an hour special about the making of classic albums. Yeah. I think I own one of them for the Black Album. I own one for uh, for Night at the Opera. But there you go. Because my favorite part of it is when, like, these guys go back and listen to these tracks after so many years of recording, when they can isolate things. Mm-hmm. They can hear, like, so many things that you, you, that you think you heard on the record, but they are really there when they isolate the track. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. I love that shit. One of the uh, one of the interesting things about uh, the Night at the Opera one was uh, this is before Queen embraced synthesizers, uh-huh. and they were talking about how they made like the different noises and whatnot, and how they would make like like voices change on there and everything. And I think at one point they were talking about um, they were they were something sounds like a, a particular instrument, and it's actually just like th- uh, thimbles on a finger tapping against <laughs> something. And I was like, yeah, that, that, wow. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Queen, um, way back when, when I was studying audio recording, mm-hmm. um, I was taking a Pro Tools class, and apparently, somehow, someway, my teacher got Pro Tools trackings, like individual tracks of Killer Queen. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the end of Killer Queen, where's that? There's that guitar line that goes back and forth, back and forth. I thought, and a lot of us did, that it was one guitar just being panned left to right. Yeah. No, that was Brian May doing two different guitar parts. So it was one in the left ear, one in the right ear. 
So it'd be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, two different guitar parts, left and right. I thought that was the coolest fucking thing. I never learned that if we didn't have those isolated tracks. Yeah. Um, what's cool is um, any song that you you can get on on Rock Band, um, you can find isolated tracks for. Which is how they did the um, Injustice for All with bass album on mm-hmm. YouTube. I think. Really? I think. Maybe. I, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't doubt it, but, um, but like I have uh, midlife crisis split. Oh, that's gotta be awesome. Yeah, like you, you hear like I have the vocals isolated. That's great. Yeah, I love hearing anything with like isolated vocals, especially like I think after Chris Cornell passed away, they did they released online um his isolated tracks from black hole sun mm-hmm. which are really fucking good and oh, what was the one that that was freddie mercury's oh my god i forgot what it was but it was there was one that was just isolated track of freddie mercury and it was incredible it was so fucking good yeah all right let's go on to recording news speaking of recording and stuff the follow-up to Vinnie Moore's critically acclaimed 2015 Aerial Visions album will be released on October 9th on his label Mind's Eye Music. Titled Soul Shifter, Vinnie's ninth solo album features guest appearances by legendary artists Rudy Sarzo and Jordan Rudis, with Richie Monica on drums, Michael Bean, uh, which is the basis for Vinnie's Time Odyssey album, uh, John Cassidy on keyboards and John Pisoni on drums. Right on. Prong will release a new EP, Age of Defiance, on November 29th. The five-track effort, which was produced by Chris Collier, will include two new studio songs, the title Cut and The End of Sanity, along with live recordings of three tracks, Root Awakening, Cut Rate, and Another Worldly Device. A single, The End of Sanity, will precede the EP on October 26th. I feel like I need to hear more of Prong's music. Yeah. Because they are, they seem to be fairly prevalent. Prevalent and fairly influential. Mm. Uh, Lindemann, the project featuring vocalist Till Lindemann of Ramstein and Swedish producer and multi-instrumentalist Peter Taggren of Hypocrisy and Pain. Uh, Their second album, F&M, will arrive on November 22nd. The, the follow-up to 2015 Skills in Pills was once again produced and mixed by that other guy. Tagrin. Huh? Tagrin. Tagrin? Yeah. Oh, I did say it right? Uh, I think so. Tagrin. Tagrin? Yeah. Tagrin. All right. Agnostic Front will release their 12th studio album, Get Loud, on November 8th via Nuclear Blast. I like Agnostic Front, but that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a Kiss album title. Yeah, with, especially with the exclamation point. It's almost like an untenable. Yeah. yeah it, it's, 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 Get loud! Nine-nine! <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's just like, uh, all night. That's, that, that's, that's the kind of cheese factor it, it exudes. Yeah. Well, The Who is back with its first new album in 13 years titled Who! Why? What? Why? Where? Why? How? Alright, due for release on November 22nd, a new single, Ball and Chain, is now available on all streaming services. 
Yeah, I'm. I've, I've I've realized over time that I'm not exactly the biggest Who fan. I really like the Who, um, but it's more of like the classic Who. Like I'm, I'm definitely like a greatest hits kind of guy <laughs> for when it comes to the Who, um, like Tommy, uh, Who's Next, uh, things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, but I think I was completely turned off by latter day, by even being remotely interested in latter day Who stuff after they performed the halftime show at the Super Bowl, and Roger Daltrey's voice was trash. Absolute trash. So I don't know what they could have possibly done to make him sound any good. So I don't know. Well, you, we say the same thing about Ozzy Osbourne, but true. On, the, on the albums he sounds good. Very, very true. But the thing is, you know, Ozzy Osbourne wasn't necessarily known for his vocal prowess as Roger Daltrey is. I mean, he has the scream, you know, that fucking scream from uh, uh, Won't Get Fooled Again. That's his thing. Yeah. You know? Okay, but uh, I I don't know I'm I'm not I'm not too worried about this one myself. Yeah, well this one is going to be interesting because it always is. Rob Zombie says his new studio album will tentatively arrive in February of 2020. The disc will be issued via the iconic rocker's new record label, Nuclear Blast Records. He's on Nuclear Blast. Apparently so. Damn. Denner's Inferno, the new band featuring legendary King Diamond and merciful fake guitar player and composer Michael Denner, will release its debut album in Amber on November fifteenth through Mighty Music. Yeah, I've been hearing about that because he was he was pretty much excluded from the Merciful Fate reunion. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so he's been talking about that. He's been talking that up in in light of that. Yeah. Um, Sepultura have completed recording their new album for a tentative February twenty twenty release via Nuclear Blast. It's going to be a busy February for Nuclear Blast, apparently. The follow-up to 2017's Machine Messiah was once again recorded at Fascination Street Studios in Orobro, Orobro, Sweden, with producer Jens Bagren, who has previously worked with just about everybody in metal. Soilwork, Opeth, Catatonia, Monomarth, Creator, and Extreme Power Metalers, Dragon Force. Or otherwise known as my iPod Playlist. <laughs> and there's one that I didn't write it down here. I just saw it on Facebook this morning. Avatarium has a new album coming out on November 29th. Uh-huh. Uh, any anything else to say about that one? <laughs> I just saw it. It was like it was their their new cover photo. Oh, so okay. Like I said, I, I just saw that today. Okay. So let's go on to crowdfunding tracker. That is all you, bro. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you did, did you I have got nothing? Okay, um, I went through crowdfunding. I went through Kickstarter recently. I actually started looking through it uh, for a change and 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 Bandcamp for a change. Um, and there's a couple things going on right now that seem pretty interesting. Uh, first one is uh, Obsidian Realm Records is doing a two CD black metal compilation. That sounds fun. Um, now, Obsidian Realm is um, the basically the baby of um, the I believe the frontman of Cursed Be Thy Flesh, uh, which is a uh, black metal band, um, and they are looking to put together four hundred four hundred dollars to cover the costs of a two CD compilation. Four hundred dollars. That's it. Four hundred dollars. Wow. Because they said they're going to put up one hundred, and they just need four hundred. To for, do the, wow to do a, to do a two CD compilation wow so, uh, so they're probably just making enough for paying the people on the record yeah pretty much 
Yeah. Um, uh, they're currently they're currently at fifty two of four hundred with with fifty six days to go. Three backers. Um, I was actually like while you were while you were napping before uh, I was trying to uh, uh, pledge to this one. Um, but I didn't have my wallet on me, so I couldn't uh, couldn't do that. Um, but they um, their pledges are are basic and and very cool. Um, you pledge one or more dollars, it's, it's no reward. Um, but it's just a thank you for you know um, for submitting. Uh, Fifteen dollars gets you the actual hand numbered CD, Ooh. limited edition, um, and a digital download. Um, thir- 30 gets you the t-shirt and a hand-numbered copy, and then there are more expensive tiers with more more swag, still like patches and, and a hoodie and different parts of their catalog. Fucking hoodies. Yeah. So, um, so that one sounds good. And that's where I heard of Willow Ash. Willow Ash is on Obsidian Realm Records. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, if you go to their, uh, they have a, Obsidian Realm Records themselves have a Bandcamp page. Um, and Willow Ashes, uh, I believe they have th- three main releases, and I think all of them are up there. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so they're all worth listening to, but they are more doomy, which makes me think that they won't appear on this. This is for black metal. Yeah. Um, but it sounds cool. And yeah, that definitely sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, next one up is Marita. Uh, Marita is basically 80s-inspired pop metal um if you go to their kickstarter page and uh there's a video for their song horror high or for her song it's basically front woman um but horror high which sounds like if you're a fan of alice cooper from the 80s late 80s into the early 90s so i'm talking like constrictor raise your fist and yell trash if you like the song poison um by by Alice Cooper. Great song. Um, you're gonna you're gonna love this track. It sounded so it sounded so fun, so good. Um, but what she's trying to do is her last album, I believe, 2018's Bloodlust. She's trying to put on vinyl. Ah. Um, and there are again, uh, well, she's looking. She, this is this is Norwegian cash, so it translates to two thousand dollars in American money. Uh, 229 have been pledged so far with 27 days to go. Um, and the different tiers will get you different, um, different albums, uh, digitally, um, or, um, different albums, EPs, and songs. Um, some of them will get you, uh, personalized post, uh, postcards, um, or, um, actual physical CDs, the, the the thing that kind of bummed me out was um, the, again the whole purpose of it was was to get the album on vinyl um, to get a copy of the vinyl it is uh, in the sixty one dollar range so that's a, 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 I mean a little high but it, I mean otherwise if you're a fan of digital music or just a fan of of, of physical CDs there are uh, other um, options if you just want to hear the music. Because again, it is. It was a great song. I, I assume the rest of it sounds very similar, um, with that that eighties tinge of of shock rock, um, kind of popish metal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
Um, but sh that uh, that's got 27 days to go, so we'll report on that next time. Um, this one I liked partially because of the fact that I'm reading my music biographies. Um, this book called No Speed Limit, Quebec Metal from 1964 to 1989. It's basically showcasing the entirety of the Quebec metal scene and its evolution for those, what, 25 years? Um, yep. They're basically working on an English version. They've translated it already. They just need the money for publication. Um, they're looking for... Uh, well, this is from Canada, but translated to American dollars, it is about $5,000. They've got 1278 pledged already. Um, $30 will get you the book itself. So if you want to help and to get a copy of the book when it is tr translated to English, uh, 30 bucks. Otherwise, there are different various tiers of uh, giving a hand and giving a, uh, a help out. And... Lastly, there is Fire from Heaven, The Crusades Against Hell. Uh, this is a technical death metal uh, album with, um, with, with apparently brutal vocals and orchestral elements. Mm. Um, the one track that they have up on the Kickstarter page sounds awesome. Um, the different tiers will get you different different versions, either different versions of the album or different versions of previous albums. Um, there's also a strictly instrumental. Uh, there's going to be a strictly instrumental version. There's going to be one with vocals. So whichever one you want, you go for. Nice. Um, they're looking for five hundred dollars, and so far they've got forty with forty-seven days to go. Um, but like I said, this one sounded pretty pretty badass. So, um, I'm so to check out some of these when you post it on Monday. Yeah, so I, I would say check out some of these um, on Kickstarter. Just head over to um, Music and Metal, and it should be among the top few tiers um, uh, as far as the search goes. Very cool. Yeah, um, a lot of cool stuff right now. So I, th I thought I thought that was worth a discussion. Um, so let's go on to our um, Should I Want segment. Yes. Do you have anything? Not really, no. Okay, I do. I, I saw that. I was like, you know what? Dan's taking care of the middle section of our script here, so yeah. it's good. Um, it kind of goes with the, with the, the thing with the um, Marita's pricing of the, of the vinyl. Mm -hmm. Um. Vinyl has become a much larger deal lately, um, but it's also a very expensive medium, uh, as it seems. Um, I would be more into getting vinyl if it weren't that expensive. Like if it if it were a little bit if it were a little bit cheaper, because it's 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 you know you go to a, you go to a Target and you see records for twenty five to thirty bucks. And these are newer records. And these too. are new records. Like I, the the one I got you, I got you sheer heart attack. Mm -hmm. First pressing, nineteen seventy four. Yeah. And it did not cost nearly as much as a new album mm. on vinyl. Yeah. Um. And it should cost. It should have cost me a lot more. It should have cost me a lot more, especially yeah. considering the condition. Yeah. I um. Some of the um. 
one of the things that I liked about what what Target was doing for a, a little bit was they were they had um, releases that you could buy the CD and you could send in for a vinyl copy of the album, which I did a couple times and gave it to to Pete. That's how I got uh, my copy of Dystopia on record. I have that's uh, right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, um, I wish more bands would do that. That would. I thought that was super cool the first time I saw that. Like there have been so many things I would really have loved to get two copies of and give out, you know, the the, the vinyl copy because obviously I don't I don't really collect those at all. Yeah. But it would have been super cool if like a lot of more bands did something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind I don't mind the all the crazy variations and you know the red, the blue, the the, the splatter, this, that, and the other thing. I don't mind the variations because I'm not a collector in that regard. I'm not going to sit there and try to get every single fucking thing. Yeah. Um. But I would like to have more things on vinyl. It's just that I'm not willing to fork over the cash for it. Mm-hmm. Uh. I mean. There's there's always a side of me that's that's cheap, but there's this this kind of goes beyond that. Like it's it this one I I can say is not necessarily my own fault. And not only that, the thing is like I like what is the justification for it being so expensive? Mm-hmm. Like I understand that maybe because it's not a high in demand thing, but neither are CDs, but they're still pretty fucking cheap. Yeah, you know, Dep- depending on what it is. Or yeah, where of you, course, where you... but. Um, you know, with vinyl, you're, you're you you could be paying somewhere up to like four times the cost of like a CD. Yeah. And then maybe even ten times the cost of it digitally. Yeah. Like, why is it so expensive? Like, what is the justification? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about the production of vinyl. I don't know how they do it nowadays. I mean, I figure that that between, I mean, it's it's been a medium for decades. Yeah. I would assume that in that time up till now, the production of of a vinyl record has gotten easier. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially because they're not doing it in the scale that they used to have to do it, mm-hmm. because there's so many other ve- mediums available. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're, they're they're not. It's not the only thing that that people can get their music on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because they're making it in short supply. I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about the production of it, so there's maybe something I'm missing here. If if there is something that I'm missing, please let us know in in, in the comments for this podcast. But um, I just don't see the reason for why it is. No, I always had a question about vinyl because everyone says it sounds better. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of, a lot of these people play, say that it sounds better when they talk about old recordings put on digital. So let's just say a Beatles record. A Beatles record on a vinyl sounds better because it was an analog recorded, analog medium. Mm-hmm. When you put it on digital, it doesn't sound as good. Now here's a question for a lot of people. What if they record these albums digitally and then put it on vinyl? Does it sound better than if it was on CD? Or does it sound exactly the same? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's, like, what's the line? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these bands record digitally now and then they put it on vinyl. It's not the same as if you were recorded analog and put it on vinyl. It's not the same, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, is, does it still sound, quote-unquote, better mm-hmm. on vinyl? If it's recorded digitally, 
then put on vinyl. So you're saying, like, my copy of Dystopia, does does my vinyl copy of Dystopia sound better than, than the CD? Than the CD version or the, the digital download version yeah. that you can get somewhere. Yeah. Because, again, remember, a lot of people say this about older recordings. Beatles recorded on tape, then put on analog. Then it was remastered and put on digital. I can see where there might be a, a, a loss in translation, quality purpose of analog recording is going to digital. Mm-hmm. But what about a digital recording going to an analog medium? Mm-hmm. Like, is it still, quote unquote, better Yeah. on vinyl? I, I, I wondered the same thing. Um, just because I've always I've always heard that, that people talk about the the warmth of the, uh, the sound, which is something I can't say I understand fully, but um, I know I, I remember talking about um, we're gonna since you were just talking about uh, things going from being one to being digital mm-hmm. to being um, there, somebody showed. Um, equalizer tracks for Michael Jackson's Thriller. Mm-hmm. And they so showed the original version, then they showed two remastered versions, and they, the scales got louder every time, so they, they kind of lost fidelity in a way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it started to get a little... Eh. Um, so I can see where that part would be bad, you know, because when the album came out, I think it was still vinyl and cassette. Mm-hmm. Um, and switching over to digital made it a little bit worse for wear. Um, so I do wonder what you're what you're wondering if it works the same way backwards. Yeah. So. Like, do they mix it differently, or they master it differently for a digital release compared to a vinyl release? Mm-hmm. Is there something different about the way they, like I said, the way they master? Because they probably record it again digitally, like. Via Pro Tools, on a computer, hard drive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mix and master it digitally. But what did they do to get it to vinyl? Again, so I don't I, – is there a difference anymore? Yeah. Is there a difference anymore? If there, if there is or if you've noticed one or have anything to say, please let us know in the comments below. Uh, of this uh, podcast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. Um, Actually, that that's a that's a good a question for a poll. I might I might do that. So look out for that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after this comes out, I might put that up as a poll. Um, okay. So that's that was my. And thing. because of discussion, you have to find a vinyl metal meme for the day to put on our Instagram page. I will. I well. Yeah, I will. I can. I'm find. sure you can find one. Well, or something about vinyl and very hipsters. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's actually kind of hard to find good metal memes. <laughs> like I'm, just, like normally they they come up pretty easily, but I was like, when I you actually I look for them. They're like yeah, yeah. they're like few and far between. Yeah, they like they, they're not very good. Right now, I have one or two good ones, but I, I gotta I gotta find uh, a few more to to keep satisfied. Um, but yeah, um. Pricing of vinyl, I wish would be a little bit, a little bit less, um, and I'd be more interested in getting it. Um, I do like that um, a lot of bands are pushing. They're 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 pushing vinyl. They're pushing cassette 
as well as CDs now, um, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just because I, I I find vinyl to be very cool. Um, it sucks that it gets scratched up easily and everything, but I find it to be very cool. I like CDs still. They're still my my preferred form of media. Yeah, it's, I mean they're 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 easily obtainable and portable, easily stored and it's portable. portable. That's uh, my main thing. It's portable. Yeah, it's not it's not like sitting there <laughs> turning putting the needle on while you're driving sixty five down four ten. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, obviously, digital, any kind of form of digital is is far more portable than a CD, but. It's, the CD still has the physical aspect of a vinyl record or a cassette, uh, which I like, the tactile part of it. Yeah. I like to be able to open up a CD. I like to be able to open up the liner notes. I like to look through the pages, see if they have lyrics in there, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so I get the best of both worlds with the, with the CD because I, I get the portability, the digital quality, and the tactile physical aspect of a record. Yeah. I have. I, I just re- remembered. I have a copy of uh, Into the Electric Castle on vinyl. I have to listen to. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember when that came in. That's yeah, right. That that's was, right. Uh, I, I'm. I'm still bummed out that I didn't do an unboxing video for that. I hate unboxing videos, but I, I will do them. <laughs> <laughs> what other people do, they suck. But when I, I do them, I will gladly do one just just because. All right, you ready for some concert news? Let's talk about concert news. All right, festivals first up. Here we go. Former Accept singer Udo Dirk Schneider will celebrate the 35th anniversary of the band's Metal Heart album by performing it in its entirety at next year's edition of the Vakken Open Air Festival, set to take place July 30th through August 1st, 2020 in Vakken, Germany. He also promises a big surprise for the show. He's reuniting with the rest of Accept. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was, like, there's... there's that's gonna be like the only one, or like like maybe a member or two of the the band come out and perform with them, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's 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 my my understanding of a big surprise. Yeah. All right, touring news. Sepultura frontman Derek Green will embark on a European vocal masterclass tour in October. Uh, Derek is one of the first international metal singers to take part in a masterclass tour, and this will be a unique occasion to spend an evening with the American vocal giant. Green will speak about his technique and share his experiences, tips, and inspirations. A meet and greet will take place after the master class. Now, that sounds pretty cool. It does. Yeah. And I had no idea that he was American. Yeah, I, I knew that. I had no idea. Yeah. In Flames have announced a fall North America tour with Red and Arrival of Autumn. The 36-date trek will kick off on November 2nd in Wichita, and will make stops in Las Vegas, Chicago, and Atlanta before concluding in Dallas on December 20th. System of a Down will play a number of European shows in 2020. The band revealed its touring plans while announcing that it will perform at next year's Provinci Provinci, uh, Festival in Finland. In what promises to be one of the biggest tours of next year, Evanescence and Within Temptation will join forces for Worlds Collide, a massive co-headline European run kicking off in Brussels, Belgium on April 4th, 2020. Right on. Yeah, I would see the shit out of that show. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, Machine Head has announced the second European leg of its 25th anniversary tour for the band's classic debut, Burn My Eyes. The second massive run of dates kicks off in Zaragoza, Spain? Zaragoza, Spain. 
on April 19th, continuing across Portugal, Eastern Europe, Russia, Scandinavia, and wrapping up in the UK with a London show at the legendary Alexandra Palace on June 6th. A U.S. leg is set to announce and set to be announced soon. Right on. Last but not least, here Dream Theater have announced the European leg of their Evening with touring cycle, featuring a celebration of the band's latest record, Distance Over Time, and their acclaimed milestone achievement, Metropolis Part Two: Scenes from a Memory. The Distance Over Time tour, celebrating 20 years of Scenes from a Memory, takes place across Europe through January and February of 2020. The 28-date leg will see the band traverse 16 countries, including the UK, Germany, France, Netherlands, and many more. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see Dream Theater again. For, I would too for an evening with. Yes, for sure. Because um, I feel if you see them with anybody else, you, I get cheated on Dream Theater. Like I don't get. I feel like Dream they still Theater. play the same length no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys go on at um, eight in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember when we when we saw an evening with Dream Theater at the theater of Madison Square Garden. They played for like three and a half hours. Yeah, that was was that was that the. Um, the daylight savings time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because all of a sudden it was four o'clock in the fucking morning. When yeah, we got home. It, it went from one fifty nine to three o'clock, and then in the on the train. On the train. So like we were we were fucking tri- time traveling. We were like Doc Brown on the fucking train. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah. But that they I mean it was a badass show, but man, three and a half hours. So many notes. Yep. So many notes. All right, some one off, one one off here. Former Judas Priest members K.K. Downing, Les Banks, and Tim Ripper Owens will team up to perform a full-length set of Priest classics with Megadeth bassist Dave Ellison on November 3rd in Wolverhampton, uh, United Kingdom. Joining them on second guitar will be A.J. Mills of Hostile, the British metal band whose two albums, Eye of Destruction and The New World Disorder, were both produced by Downing. Right on. Yes, sir. Are you ready for some heavy metal on the charts? I am. All right, so some noteworthy points here. Rapper Post Malone's song, Take What You Want, featuring Ozzy Osbourne and Travis Scott, has debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 chart at number eight. According to Billboard, the track marks Osbourne's first Hot 100 top ten in over 30 years as a Black Sabbath singer breaks the record for the most time between top tens in the chart's 61-year history. The song appeared on Post Malone's new LP, Hollywood's Bleeding, which landed at number one on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart this week. Right on. Breaking Benjamin's massive hit song and fan favorite, The Diary of Jane, has been certified triple platinum by the RIAA. The song off the band's 2006 release, Phobia, also certified platinum, Oh, which was also certified platinum, was a top five rock radio hit. Yeah, I've never heard it. I'm sure you have. Uh, if you heard, if you heard rock radio in the past thirteen years, you've heard this song. I, I don't recall. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like Breaking Benjamin really. So. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the top two hundred? I'm ready. All right. So of course we just talked about number one being Post Malone. Number two is Lover by Taylor Swift. Number three is a new album from Mel- uh, Melanie Martinez called K-12. It's a soundtrack, apparently. Mm-hmm. Number four is Young Thug, So Much Fun. And number five is Little Tekka, We Love You Tekka. The fuck? I don't know. 
Um, but I forgot to mention that last week's number one was, in fact, Tools Fear Inoculum. Yep. This week they are number seven. They have fallen from number one to number seven. Still good. Still in the top ten. Yep. Very, very good. But here is a disappointment. It's still, like, very high up there. It's Chris fucking Brown. <sighs> Such a disappointment. Yep. Queen's Greatest Hits is at number 21. That's good. Yep. Still good. Still good. Elton John's Diamonds at number 29. And now we are scrolling. That was a record I saw at, at Target. Diamonds. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, oh. Well, I have the rest of it on CD anyway. Okay. Yeah. Creedence Clearwater Revivals at 60. Yeah, we're getting ugly here. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you just, you just did a huge leap. Yeah, we're getting ugly. Oh, We Are Not Your Kind. Slipknot. 80. Still in the top 100. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. I figure it's going to go gold soon-ish. With a couple of sales, probably. Um, Beatles. Abbey Road is at number 95 on the uptick from 100, surprisingly. Fleetwood Mac Rumors is at number 98. Back in Black, 105. Guns N' Roses, great, yeah. Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits, a re-entry at 109. Wow. Yep. That's a jump. Bohemian Rhapsody, soundtrack, 118. 118. The Greatest Hits by the Eagles, 128. Michael Jackson, The Essential Michael Jackson, 131. 31. Larry Skinner, All-Time Greatest Hits, a re-entry at 141. Someone's getting their south on. Yeah, it's, it's Kid Rock just, just sampling all the fucking clips. <laughs> Counts as a sale every time. Yeah. Greatest Hits. Right, Chili Peppers 146, and just above that at 145 is the greatest hits by Journey. Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, greatest hits 152. Sounds of Summer, the very best of the Beach Boys at 156. Down from 136, closing out the summer. <laughs> I was going to say, not for Texas. <laughs> yeah, that shit's hot. <laughs> Still. Yep. Fucking balls. It rained last night. Pretty significantly. Yeah, it did. And all it did was make it fucking humid. Yeah, it did. All right, 166, the Decade of Destruction, Five Finger Death Punch at 167 is Tool Anima. That's on the rise? That is actually on the fall a little bit. It was at 114 last week. No, it was at like 190 last time. Oh, I don't know. Last time we, we did this, it was low. Well, here we go. Speaking of Kid Rock, a re-entry for Kid Rock. Greatest hits you never saw coming. 174. Yeah, Come on, this. Never mind. By Nirvana's at 177. That's on the uptick from 186. That guy can dance. Thriller. We were just talking about it. 183. Yep. Bon Jovi's Grace hits 191. Lateralis by Tools at 192, down from 116. Another Chris Brown record. What? Why the fuck? Do people still listen to him? And that will close us out. That was terrible. Yeah. Now, you know what's even more terrible? Here is the Hard Rock albums. Number one, of course, is Tool. But I can't look past that. Because Billboard now charges 
to access their charts outside the top 200. Are you serious? I shit you not. There is now Billboard for Pros or Billboard Pro. You can now subscribe monthly to get access to the charts online. You can you can charge I can charge you to suck my what? Yeah. What? Yeah. I saw that. I almost shit. That Look is, at this. That is ridiculous. Look at this. I'm looking at it. It's you can subscribe to a, to the website for something that we've been looking at for years for free. Now, here's here, here's the kicker here. $10 a month gets you all this stuff, but nothing printed. So you get access on the online website, all this shit. And then for $16.99 a month, you can have all of that and the printed copy. Like like a copy of the magazine or Yeah, yeah. Thirty four print issues per year. Man, that is some fucking balls. balls. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? Like I mean, it it really changes, but like all all this stuff is floating just below the two hundred. Yeah. So yeah. Ah, that is So every week we'll be able to do the top two hundred. And we'll be able to see the number one on the hard rock chart. We might need to change what we're going to be looking at. All right. We might have to go to, like, iTunes or Apple Music to, to figure out new charts to see what's happening in the world. We'll, we'll figure that out eventually, but... Yeah, man, I was is, super disappointed when I saw that. That is fucking stupid. Yeah. Ugh. So, heavy metal on the charts might be taking a little bit of a, t- a return here. We gotta figure out what we gotta do. Yeah, because I was gonna say, heavy metal, like the top two hundred is is it's is, trash. It's trash. It's trash. Yeah. You know, it, that's just how we feel where we stand in the rest of the world, which is not very tall. No. You know, I mean, we've had we've have a couple of representations here when Tool first came out on streaming, but that's that craze has slowed down a little bit. You know, I'm sure that further weeks will bring even Fear Inoculum down even more into the top into the lower part i mean yeah we're just not nearly as strong as we used to be and now we can't even cover our own shit yep that is a damn shame yes sir so i guess we'll cut that part short and we'll cut right to our discussion oh we gotta cut that short too i gotta get out of here soon oh it's 10 o'clock oh it is yeah okay yeah i got i got an appointment to fix my tire at 11 okay (laughs) Well, we'll make this quick then. All right, what are we talking about? All right, so it's 26 bands that sound nothing like their first album. Okay, cool. Okay, Let's go. so first one up is AFI. I actually don't know what their first album sounded like. So, uh, well, apparently they used to sound a little bit more like horror punk, like the Misfits, and the oh. heavier end of the punk realm, hardcore. Uh, see, um, I think that 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 yeah, because the um, Sing the Sorrow is very much a mix of pop punk with the horror punk. Yeah, but Sing the Sorrow is apparently was the changing point. Ah, uh, that would explain it. Yeah, so they—that's what they—that's what they're saying on on Loudwire. Um, oh, this one's obvious. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper's changed a ton since yeah, day one. Yeah, I, I think I think yeah. He's he goes. He's got ebb and flow. He's got peaks and valleys. Yeah, yeah he's all he, over the place. He, he used to do psychedelic rock. He did Detroit rock. Um, simple. Shock yeah. rock, and Shock. then there's fucking uh, Brutal Planet, like out of nowhere. Heavy metal stuff uh, f- uh, from the mid-90s onward. Um, so, yeah, obviously. Clearly. 
Yeah, um, and even went back to regular rock and roll, and then just kind of a mix of everything, and now he's doing uh, covers. Now he's just Alice fucking Cooper. Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, amorphous, obvious. Clearly. Um, yes. Um, far more melodic now. Far more melodic. Um, a little bit more... Uh, I mean, I, I described Tales from a Thousand Lakes as, as the Death Metal Doors. Yeah. Um, and and they went from that to more psychedelic rock, um, into a more melodic, uh, like. I want to say a melodic death metal, but definitely kind of like very that. similar to like an Inflames type sound. Yeah, kind of kind of mel- latter day Inflames, kind of, kind of melancholic. Yeah. So, um, but definitely uh, amorphous. I love them. Anathema, which obviously. Um, from their from their start, they were a kind of doom metal band. Um, um, I hated the singing on the original albums, um, but they got so much better. Um, and now they play a little bit. They play like mostly melodic stuff. I think they had like an entirely acoustic album and stuff like that. So um, I like them a lot. Behemoth. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say so because I, I only have one of the, I guess, quote unquote, earlier records, Demigod, which is a complete different uh, take on the extreme metal than they do now. They do a much more polished sound. Yeah, now. It, it says that it's, uh, Behemoth began as a simple lo-fi black metal act. Yeah, they are now a more polished extreme metal act. Um, more, you know, what's really funny is that their their brand of extreme metal is still more is 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 just more accessible to more people because I think it's because it sounds better. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, there's there's nothing that's been watered down as far as the message or the sound. It's just like the quality is better. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about this band, uh, Boris. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're a Japanese act. I, I am unfamiliar. Um, but they apparently went like like they they did like garage rock, sonar rock, and even J-pop. Cool. All over the place, all over the map. Bring me the horizon. I'm not familiar with their earlier stuff, particularly. Yeah, um, I would say that they probably went from like more of a hardcore band to more of a metalcore band, or metal, a pop. Or they started as a standard metalcore band, uh, taking influence from At the Gates, Slaughter the Soul, and the new wave of American heavy metal. Um, and they caught considerable fire on Sempiternal, uh, fusing the anthemic with the Savage. Which was a departure from the debut. Um, and what then, then what came in 2015, the pop leading, that's the spirit. Um, Carcass. Grindcore originally uh, with Rika Pure, uh, Putrefaction. Um, they um, basically, apparently, they're saying that the, the latest album, Surgical Steel, is, is everything but grind, like. I think I think it was more of a technical album than anything else, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and and they they did have an album called Heartwork that was apparently a lot of melody driven stuff. Mm. So, um, Dark Throne, Dark Throne, I'm not too familiar with. Uh, I know that they are uh, black b- metal. Black metal. Yeah, that, that was more that was Pete's realm there. I remember him talking about them a couple times. Yeah. Um, enslaved. Oh yeah, yeah. They're far more melodic now. Yeah, the Castle Black Metal uh, originally, and then they've they, they've always been a pro- uh, progressive group, but showed their classic prog influences while blossoming into a completely different outfit. 
Um, so never forsaking their black metal foundations, they have repeatedly knocked down walls, made additions to, and rearranged their stylistic house over the decades. For sure. So uh, adding Their last more. three records were really good. Yeah. Um, Guar. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm not very familiar with any of Guar's music, so... Um, I would say the same thing. I'm not too familiar, so we're going to carry on. In Flames. Uh, we were just talking about them. They were more of a, they were a very much more melodic death metal band and the whole uh, Gothenburg sound, but they've gotten even more melodic to the point of almost, I, would, I, I hate to say the word pop, but I think they're far more accessible now. They're, they make simpler songs. They make yeah. things, you know, a little bit easier to digest. Yeah, they said that everything, everything started to change with 2002's Reroute to Remain, which... Uh, believe a lot of people like but they, they what got me into them was come clarity which was i think for me their breakthrough mm-hmm. you know like i said to me yeah so i mean that that very much mixed um some heaviness with a lot of uh more more melodic elements and i think that was in like 2007 mm-hmm. incubus for sure yeah for sure from basically you know trying to be faith no more to being uh, a melodic alternative rock. They're act. one of those. They're one of those bands that fly on the radar, but have a huge fucking following. Mm-hmm. Judas Priest. From, yeah, from, from rock and roll to fucking now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Catatonia. For, absolutely. Yeah, they used once, to be. Yeah, once once Jonas uh, switched from his death metal vocals to clean vocals, it was a completely different band. Yeah. Yeah, from uh, from uh, death metal frenzy to basically depressive rock metal, they play later. I mean, they're they're like I've been calling them the heavy metal cure for years. Yeah. Lincoln Park. Yes. From from new metal from being almost rat strictly metal. rap metal yeah. to being a little bit more anthemic, uh, arena rock. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ministry. Ministry, I don't know enough about. I, don't, I, I always just associate them with this over-the-top industrial metal. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, what well, says um, Ministries with sympathy is so unlike anything in the band's discography that Al Jurgensen disowns the record. <laughs> in fairness, he was forced to adopt a faux British accent and make a new wave synth pop record, so the grudge is warranted. <laughs> nice. Um, Nocmistium, which I know nothing about. So I, yeah, I got nothing to know. Opa. For fuck's sake, we've been talking about that for years on this podcast. Yes. I love their progression. Yep. Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I mean, they were almost a, like, an exclusive, like, hard funk band. Now they are definitely arena rock, fucking anthemic stuff. Yeah. For def- sure. They're definitely radio darlings. And, yeah. And whatnot. Um... I still absolutely adore their older oh, stuff. Oh, hell yeah. And I think everything up to Stadium Arcadium is fucking gold. Well, I, I, I don't think they've released necessarily a bad album at all. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm just not as familiar with anything past Stadium Arcadium, so. Um, the newer ones are, are, are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So. Semiel. Not f- I'm not 100% familiar. More, so. more black metal, basically. Yeah, okay. Like, originally black metal and... and more, it, it seems like a lot of black metal bands start off as that lo-fi, like black metal roots, that, that, that cult thing, and then they start writing songs, and then they, and, <laughs> and then they expand on the sound and, and and do a lot more with it, and then they lose their cult status. Yeah, 
Um, the Scorpions. Scorpions started off as more of a psychedelic rock group. Oh, that was also 50 years ago, so that doesn't make that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, yeah, that's and <laughs> the fact that they're still going. Yeah, and going strong too, because Klaus still sounds exactly the fucking same. Yep. Yeah. Um, For sure. Uh, they were they were definitely more of a a straight up thrash metal band when they first came out. Mm-hmm. You know, bullet belts and everything. Now, I mean, then they went to Roots, which was more world metal. And I think they've kind of mixed the thrash with the world metal, continuing on after the Cavaleras left. Yeah, and they've they've even had softer songs. Yeah, and like, they have concept records now. Like they they're on the verge of like thrash prog. Yeah. Um, this one I don't really know much about. Thrice. So. Uh, they're more of a I think a like a punk band. Yeah. Or punk. screamo band kind of thing. Evolution from pop punk hardcore to hardcore played out. Hardcore played out. Like well, like they're how the mu- it's basically that's yeah. what they it's out of context of the uh, sentence. Yeah. Um, tribulation. I don't know anything about them, unfortunately. So yeah, not a hundred percent. Someone let us know. And last one is over. I can't say I know that. Uh, I think I've heard one of their later records. Uh, they were. A black metal band? Originally a black metal band. More of a prog metal band now, kind of experimenting with uh, progression and still a little bit of the black metal elements. Went on to deliver the Trouble First uh, Natchez Madrigal after an acoustic folk record. Well, there you go. That's where you got. Um, Willingness to change their sound on a whim still could not have prepared fans for the head dive into thoughtful electronic and avant-garde territory. There you go. So, those are twenty six bands that sound nothing like their first album. And again, a lot of it is that black metal is black metal. Well, I mean, um, they could have done it for a number of different bands that we've talked about here. Metallica sounds nothing like their first record anymore. Megadeth sounds nothing like their first record anymore. Megadeth sounds more like their first record now. Now, but yeah. they've they've peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows. Yeah, you know, Metallica's trying to find their peak again, and they're almost there, but. There is one thing about Metallica that I do hope they release, and that is the S&M 2, because the set list for that show looked fucking incredible. You know it's being played in theaters here in San Antonio. I know, I I did see that, but of course I couldn't, I didn't go. Well, it's... it's, I think it's, it's, no, I think it's... It's it's in October. Yeah, that's right. So... So that might be a thing. Yeah. Might be a thing. I mean, I I just hope that they release an album and a DVD of that, because the first one was great. And the second one, like I said, the set list looks crazy. I, they even do fucking anesthesia with the orchestra. Wow. Yeah. So that could be a thing. Sounds awesome. Yep. All right. So with that, we will end our show. Uh, next time, we will be able to talk about the Iron Maiden concert. Yes, we will. Because we are seeing that on Wednesday. Uh, it's been a long time coming this one. There's been nothing but positive reviews of this concert tour so far. I had to go to an email account that I don't know, don't use anymore because that's what's attached to my Ticketmaster account. And I had to go searching through my email to find the tickets. <laughs> and we bought them back in May. Yeah, here we are in the uh, latter part of September. Yeah, uh, it's, fi- it's finally happening. Finally Seeing Iron Maiden again. Last night of the tour, too. Yep. Because everyone's... Uh, I'm seeing, like, pictures and posts and everything. Like, uh, you know, Pat posted some stuff. 
some some um, uh, some of the guys in the One Up Cup. They got they got some pictures of the uh, the show. Um, I'm not sure if they went or not, or if they had a friend who went. Um, but it, it's it's everyone's seeing it. Yeah, so. and it's Iron Maiden. It's a big tour, one of the biggest, which is crazy to think about this that late in their career. You know, it's one of their biggest tours ever. Yep. And um, every time we see them, they get better. Yeah. Like so. a fine fucking wine. Yep. So we'll be discussing that next time, as well as all the normal news and whatnot, and we'll figure out what we're going to do about the fucking Billboard charts. Yeah, for real. All right, so until next time, I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. We are The Slime. <laughs>